My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest is Chris Howard. She has been so many things over the years and, and many things currently. She's been a teacher. She's authored several books. She's directed camp and youth ministries for a number of years. She's the founder of an amazing radio show. It's a mom thing. She is also the mother of Duck Dynasty's Corey Robertson, so that may be where you know that name. She's the mom of three kids and grandma to 14 grandchildren. She is married to her husband, John, and they make their home in West Monroe, Louisiana. I am so excited to welcome her to the show today and just highlight her journey and the incredible work that she's done over the years and is doing now. Chris, welcome to Heroes for Her. Thank you for having me, Erin. I'm so excited. I've been doing my homework on you and learning all the great things that you're involved in and seeing your books. And it's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you so much. And we talked a little bit before we started recording, but I've learned more and more about your story just over the years and not just watching Duck Dynasty, but just getting involved in in all of the, the projects and things that you've been doing. You've authored so many books and you spent so much time teaching in the classroom. And I've just felt, I felt this really special connection with you, I think, because it's so easy to see your genuine love of kids and wanting to just pour the right things into them to to show them who God made them to be. So I, I want to start by just asking and well, letting people know too, you, you know, you hold a degree in elementary education. You spent 10 years teaching kids with learning differences. So will you will you just kind of break down that time in your life? Was that really the season of your life where you, you know, you spent in the classroom? How did you grow during that time? And how did you how did you really develop this desire to help kids? My time in the classroom is still one of my funnest, fondest memories of my life. And how that got started, I started just, I, I got my degree. I went back to school and finished up my degree after all my kids were in elementary school. So there's hope for all of you young moms out there who haven't done all your dreams yet. You have plenty of time to get your dreams done. And so I went back to school, finished up my degree and um, started teaching school and was just teaching a uh, you know, regular classroom. And I started noticing kids who were struggling in my classroom and I was in a private school. And I thought, wow, this should not be. I mean, you know, all the perimeters seemed right for this child, had good parents, had good support system, good teaching and struggling. And so from that, I developed a program for kids with learning differences and it was an in-school tutoring program. So I did that for um, 11 years where the kids would come to me during the day just as if it was a study hall. But we would really work intently on social skills and schoolwork. And sometimes we did test orally when they couldn't take them written, when that wasn't an easy way for them to do it. And because I got the kids in the seventh grade, I had them all the way till they graduated. So it was such a great, you being a teacher, you know how close you get to a classroom. Oh, and I love, I mean, I, I can even think too back and there are, you know, obviously the special kids, but you had them for such, you know, over several years. It's so amazing what you, what you watch as a teacher from, from seventh grade to like the years into high school, how they grow and develop and just when they start to get it and they start to mature and all of the things that you get to watch when you, when you're with them for more than just one year. That was really an amazing journey. And I remember I started, I put Scrabble, the game of Scrabble out as a 
a little teaser. You know, we got through class when we could play Scrabble, which Scrabble is such a learning game. This isn't necessarily a fun game. And when I first did it, all my boys in my class were like, what, Miss Howard? That's crazy. We don't want to play that. By their junior and senior year, it was like, hurry, let's get our work done. We've got to get our next little turn in on Scrabble. So just watching that maturity and watching kids grow all the way till the end of their uh, high school career was amazing. It's so cool. And I, I look back, you know, and, and as I read, you know, your bio and learned a little bit more about the time you spent in the classroom, it just mirrors my own. We, we sort of taught for the same amount of years, about 10 years, but I know that I did a lot of growing personally during that time. So my question for you is, how did you grow during your time as a teacher? I know the kids were impacted in, in so many big ways that you got to see, but how did you personally grow? Well, I wanted to be a teacher from a young age. I think a lot of teachers have that in their heart at a young age. But I had no idea how much of an impact it would have on my personal growth and my faith in God. And as I watched kids struggle with what is easy for some kids, even for my own children, it helped me to become more sympathetic and more patient and more loving and kind and all of those fruits of the spirit that as we grow, we want to get deeper and richer into our heart. And I would watch those kids and pray about them and have such a desire for them to learn something or to grow in a certain area. And then, of course, I grew as I'm teaching those things. You can't help but grow. How did you, so, I mean, obviously you, you know, you grew up in the faith and, and you've been, you know, cultivating and strengthening your relationship with the Lord for a long time. How did you feel his presence in that season of your life? A lot of times teaching can feel really lonely, especially if you have challenges that you can't really figure out, you, you know, right then and there uh, in the classroom. I spent a lot of time because I wasn't, I was learning to grow my relationship during the time I was in the classroom. But, you know, a lot of times it was sort of lonely. And, and unless you're bouncing ideas off your colleagues, you're, you're sometimes just taking your problems home with you and really just thinking and worrying, and I can say worrying because I did this, worrying about the kids in your classroom and are they going to get it and are they going to make it? So how did you see God showing up during your time as a teacher? Absolutely. I think, yes, worry. Now, I've learned in life that worry is like a rocking chair. You do a lot of moving, but nothing gets done. So I have tried to work on that all of my life. And I try to not be a worrier, just to turn it over to God. And for me, and this is something I know that isn't going to be true for a lot of people. I was so blessed because four of my siblings were teaching at the same school. So a lot of times we would be out in the hall just talk, talk, talking, and the principal would come by and say, okay, no family reunions, get back to the classroom. But I had so much support from my siblings because I was teaching every subject matter because I had kids, I had to help with everything, things I wasn't strong at. But my brother and my sister-in-law were so strong in math, I would go to their classroom and get help from them. And those kind of things were on a, on a, that school level would help me. But then the level of spiritual, the great thing about it is I, I'm surrounded by a family who also walks the same spiritual walk. And we would talk about these kids and how we can help them better and what we, how we could pray for them. And it was, uh, it's just, I was so blessed. And that's, I, you know, I almost hesitate to say that because most people aren't in a situation like that where they're teaching with their siblings and all of their siblings have the same faith journey. But for me, that was a tremendous help for me and, and how I could get through teaching kids with so many. At one point, I had up to 90 kids I was seeing with totally different problems. So I needed a lot of help and they were there to help me. 
So awesome. So and and as you, I can I can tell because you're you fondly remember this time in your life and how you grew and how God showed up. And after you taught and you taught for many many years, you you sort of took a turn away from teaching and you decided to join your family owned business. It was Howard Publishing, and you worked there as an editor and as creative director for you know the next major season of life, several years, and you worked on all of these books. So. How how was that transition for you? I, and I, it's so funny. Again, I, special connection with you. I, I just did that. I quit teaching about six months ago and have jumped into the publishing side of this life. And it's just, it's so funny. So I wonder for you, like, what was that transition like for you? Wow, we really do have the same no, story. It's scary. <laughs> it's so scary. Like in the best way. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can read this, and it's just, it's like exactly what happened. It's so funny. That is so. That is so fun. Well, I was teaching school, and our publishing company was beginning to take off. My husband had had started it and had hired friends. I mean, we really didn't even hire people who were who knew much about the business. We hired some friends to help get it off the ground. And um, I'm going to say really, really quickly, my husband's dad was a songwriter. And so the publishing company came about because he wanted his songs in a hymnal. So he published his own hymnal. I did not know that. That's so interesting. Isn't that crazy? Out Out of his garage, we sold three million hymnals. Oh my gosh, I had no idea that that was the genesis for this. That's amazing. It's crazy. That's where Howard Publishing started. And so we had gotten really good at boxing up songbooks and taking them with the station wagon down to the post office, but we really didn't know anything else about publishing books. So my husband decided to see if he could grow this company. And so and it grew and grew and grew. It was starting to, to really grow. And then my husband said, you know, why don't you come join the company and help us out? And truly, once again, for everybody out there who sometimes thinks they don't, they don't know what's happening in their life, it's such a God journey. I had no idea what to do in the publishing. And I could remember my first day. I was very comfortable in the classroom. I knew I could go back to teaching today. You probably could too. Very comfortable. I sat at my desk the first day at the publishing company and I was like, okay, what do I do? Somebody hand me something, you know. So it was a definite learning process and a learning curve. And probably for a year, I just observed everybody in each of the departments and learned the the company. And little by little, I took on different jobs and I was kind of the catch-all editor. Any book that was a little out of the box, which again was God's journey for me because we did one cookbook during my time at the publishing company and uh, nobody else wanted to touch it. We had never done a cookbook, had no idea what to do with it. And I just took it on and tackled it. Well, of course, now we know many years later, I was able to help Kay Robertson write two cookbooks because of the journey that God took me on at our publishing company. So, you know, it's one of those things that I can look back, all of us look back at our life and say, wow, thank you, God, for giving me that experience that you don't necessarily notice when you're in it. But my challenge to all young people today is to notice it now. Notice wherever you are, what God is doing in your life. I don't know that I did that so well, you know, when I was 30 or 35 as I am now. But I want I think everybody needs to do that. Be more alert to where God is is taking you. 
Totally. And the, the word that comes to mind, even as you're telling that story, is the word uncomfortable. Like, that's how you know it's God, because not God's not going to leave you in a, a space of comfort for too long, because he wants you to grow and, and make your way more toward him and, and know more about who he is. And that's just, it's so funny. And, and what, I mean, I felt exactly the same way when I left the class. Like, this is a very safe space for me to be in. I've been teaching for several years now. This is my arena. I feel very comfortable here. And same thing, God was just challenging us to create create this book series and publish it on our own. And we always laugh because we we say, you know, so many businesses start for the first time in, in a person's garage, but we actually lived in a condo at the time. So our business started in somebody else's garage because we were housing books like down the street at our neighbor's house that we met in a Bible study. Wow, I totally believe that. I always say that it's when we're our most uncomfortable that God gets to shine because if it's something that comes easy for me, then I want, I'm want. i likely to say, oh, that's just my gift. That's where I can shine. But when I get in a place that I'm not real comfortable, then God takes over. And then I can say, thank you, God, for showing me how to do that, for putting this in my life, for challenging me, for making me do something that I don't didn't think I could ever do. Thank you for giving me that gift. Yeah, he definitely too. I mean, at least in our experience, and I've, I, I know this, that this is true for you. Like he puts you in these uncomfortable situations because without him, you can't do it. That's the point. Like our job is to lean on the Lord and we can do these things that make us very uncomfortable, that, that are challenging, that are, are, are we're not able to do on our own because we're not designed to do them on our own. That's right. We are designed to have him in our life with us. And that's, that's where he he shines. That's where he comes through for us. Definitely. So you, so transitioning away from teaching, you know, you're working for the publishing company. It's a family-run business, which must have been amazing to work with relatives and just be there to to grow it and and watch it expand into into you know creating more titles. And you you've authored 14 books, including a couple of best-selling books that have really just blessed me in my own life. And those are Hugs for Daughters and Motivationals for Moms. I think just in the season. You know, in an earlier season of my life where I was a struggling daughter, and I've struggled for years with my own relationship with my mom and just and trying to be close to my parents and just build that relationship. But Hugs for Daughters was such a an encouragement and a practical tool for me to just, just learn a little bit more about the Lord and what he had for me. And then I love motivationals for moms for totally different reasons, like becoming a mom and and learning sort of how to step into that role and feel bold and confident about it. And I wanted to ask you, and you have so many other books like under, you know, the umbrella of what you've worked on, but were those two books favorites of yours? Like, were they, were they great projects to work on? They were great projects for me. The first book I wrote was Hugs for Grandmas, and that's been so many years ago now that when... Um, my husband and the other editors at the company came to me and said, we'd like you to write this book. Literally, again, I was at that, what, are you guys completely insane? Because I hadn't written a book. You know, at that point I had edited several, but I hadn't written a book. And so um, I wrote Hugs for Grandma. So that is always a special one for me because it was the first one that I wrote. And, and I was like every other writer. I gave it to the other editor in the company and it came back with all these X's and marks and all that kind of thing and and you're like oh wait a minute Have, am I in the wrong spot I'm because devastated it, right <laughs> yeah there's there's so much you had to correct for me and she was like she was teaching me you know she's like no this is the writing process the next time you'll come back it'll be better mm-hmm. so I learned so much at that point and then 
then of course, then hugs for, for daughters came along and uh, motivationals for moms. And with my motivationals book, I just so wanted to inspire moms to do something to, you know, I, I'm always saying, um, live like God's way because I want us to read scripture and then act on it. You know, there'll be a step there that causes us to become a better person or a different person or a more Christ-like person, all of those things. And so in my thinking with motivationals is I wanted it to motivate us to move on to another step in our life. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I think for me, like I personally just gravitated toward that one because I mean, in the season of life where I'm trying to figure out how to be a mom for the first time and bringing all this baggage of like not walking with the Lord and being really lost and insecure and like super obsessed with comparing myself to every other girl I saw. And this is just like the natural journey of a girl, right? And we all do this on different levels. I think what was so helpful for me is, you know, in this new season of motherhood that I'm trying to figure out how do I come alongside my kid and and how do moms come alongside their children and just you know gently guide them down the path that god wants them to go a lot of times we have our own ideas about okay our kids need to do x y and z and it's got to happen on our terms and we're planning out their lives before they even take the first step so i think i think for me that that motivational devotional series was more about learning how to slow down and just sit with the lord and say you know what god i do have all of these hopes and dreams for my daughter but what is your will and purpose for her and how do i how do i find that help her find that and then how do we walk down that path together right we live in such different times right now as i think back over my life and my life with my mom my life with corey and ashley and ryan my children and now watching my grandchildren and the biggest difference that we have today is the technology component that is a game changer so i still believe we need to back up all the way back to uh maybe to my mother's generation where there was a slowness about your mothering that you weren't constantly trying to get your kids to do this and do that and be involved in this and doing that as i watched my mother with us six kids she managed our home she didn't manage us does that make sense totally (laughs) yeah she didn't manage each of our lives to make sure they turned out to be the perfect way that she dreamed them to be And I think that that's the best way to be. I think uh, to young moms out there today, that's a goal to set for yourself, to be a manager of your home and make sure your home is running smoothly. And that doesn't mean you're a stay-at-home mom. That just means that that you, you are taking care of your home, like the Proverbs 31 woman did. But not to try to manage each person that is in your home or micromanage each person. And seeing a lot of that today, See, and right now I'm, I'm remembering an interview. I think I watched it two or three years ago. And it was, you were doing it, you and Corey were on with Sammy Cohn and you guys were talking about the launch of Faith Commander, uh, the Bible study. And you talked about the shift that needs to take place. And I, I happen to definitely agree with this. And it speaks exactly what you just said, away from the child-centered home to one that's more parent-centered. Can you explain? And that sounds, you know, I think by the world standards, like that kind of sounds selfish, right? Like, oh, I'm not gonna put my children at the center of everything we're doing. And it needs to be more about me as the parent. That That doesn't sound right based on what the world tells us. So can you talk about what it means to create a home that's not necessarily child-centered? 
Yes, I think we have gotten way too child-centered in America today. And not in, not that, like you said, coming back to being parent-centered is a selfishness. It's just we're not putting the focus on that particular child. Because when you do that, that puts that child under a lot of pressure to perform a certain way. But if we step back and we go back to that time where the homes were parent-centered, where when a parent spoke, the child paid attention. Now, when a child speaks, the parent pays attention. And something's not right with that. That isn't even biblical. But that's the way it is. Even in our home, the other day, my husband, we call him Two Papa, and they call me Two Mama. We were going out to eat, and we said, you know, where do, where do y'all want to go? And we got in the car, we're like, boy, wow, things changed. I mean, when we were growing up, parents, <laughs> right, here's where we're going. <laughs> never asked us, no one asked us where we wanted to eat. We just did what they said to do. Now, there's a balance there. We do live in modern America, and we understand that. But it's still a mindset that your children can understand when you set up this structure that mom and dad, grandparents, are the head of this home. And not that all of our wishes are are granted like we're kings or anything, but we've got a whole lot of this. The castle is being overrun by the kids going on in America today. So we do need to get back to that. I think we need a shift, a paradigm shift there where we're back where the kids understand that mom and dad are in charge. And that is simply to give them security in life. Everybody is more secure when somebody else is in charge. That's so true. And amen to that for just like putting the Lord in charge of your whole life. But I think that's the practical application for parents. Like even as we say, oh, you know, you don't you don't want your child or your home to be child centered. It sounds like neglectful almost like, wait, if I'm not paying attention to my children's every want and need and desire and request, I'm like, I'm not parenting well somehow, which is totally not the case. Totally not. No, actually, you're just giving them the freedom to grow up and grow in God themselves and not having you manage everything about their life is one of those awesome ways that we get to grow up when we step back and say, okay, no, let you handle this. Or how would you handle this? What what do you want to do? You, You do it. You can do this. I can remember as a little girl, I was incredibly shy. I don't know if I spoke to the fifth grade, but my mother was determined to help me to be an adult, which is all, that's our job. Our job is from phase one to phase two, then phase two to phase three, then phase four, and then you're out the door. That is our job. And to do those things, my mom had to put me in uncomfortable situations. I can remember her making me call and make my hair appointments, her walking up to this cash register and and buying something that she wanted, but she insisted that I do that. And she wasn't being mean. She was being my mom. She was saying, no, this is what you're going to have to do one day. So here, we're going to learn this. Did your relationship with your mom and the fact that she was, you know, slowly trying to, you know, move you towards independence and try to be able to take care of yourself? And as you said, like out the door, did your relationship with her or, you you know, your family bond with her inspire you to start It's a Mom Thing? And if you guys and for the people who are listening that don't know. So Chris is the president and founder of It's a Mom Thing Ministries. It's a weekly radio show and website with tons of cool resources. Did your mom inspire you to do that? Like, what was her role and and did she? She have a role in, in, in helping you or, you know, in, in expi- inspiring you to create the radio show or some of the, the things that you're doing now to really pour into the lives of moms and parents? I certainly think she is the biggest influencer in my life. And that's an 
awesome thing to say to be able to say that about your mom because she was a great mom there were six kids in my family and my mother ultimately took care of all three grandparents as well with uh, never a complaint that was just what she did and you would say something to her you'd say well mom how are you doing all this and she would say well it's just what you do you know and so many moms from that generation if you ask them was it hard to raise six kids their answer is going to be well no that's just what you did now you ask parents of today's generations who have maybe one child or two child children and they're just going absolutely crazy but because they have not gotten this idea in their head that the kids don't rule the roost and so my mom was a very uh, strict mom she was she could snap her finger and six kids would sit down but she was never never a tough a disciplinarian do you understand or, she or was unkind about it. it you know she probably wasn't unkind about it there's she a difference was, between being strict and being cruel right she was never unkind and so we adore my mom she's still alive she lives across the street from all of us she's 85 years old oh, and that's very, amazing <laughs> yes very much the matriarch of our family as a matter of fact on mother's day we've been asked to speak mom and corey and me and Sadie are four generations at a church in Oklahoma and we're really excited about being able to share together but she's very much the matriarch of our family and yes that inspired me to do it's a mom thing along with just a lot of things that I was seeing and going on in the world with young moms and and needing advice and wanting to hear from older moms I mean I am certainly an older mom now I have 14 grandchildren but I'd like to draw from the way my mom raised me, the way my husband's parents raised him, the way I dealt with my own kids, and the fact that my 14 grandchildren are very much a part of my life. They're, it's an everyday thing with my grandkids. And so I don't think I'm out of the parenting role or, or the being a, uh, teaching my children's role at all. It, even though I have grandchildren, not children anymore, every day they're in my car, carpool, or they're over at my house, you know, so I'm still want to stay alert to those things that help all of us raise our kids, get them to adulthood. Yeah, and they, you, you know, it really does take a village and you talk about too, and, and you can tell, I mean, and not just watching the show, but in all the ways you guys interact with each other and, and the projects that you take on and the family bond there is so strong. And it's just, I think it's nice to hear that personal story too of how you, you know, how you grew and how your relationship with your mom was and the way it was set up and the structure of that. And then how that's trickled down into the way you approach parenting and now grandparenting. It is just this trickle down effect of, of moving and, and and taking the things that you really want to carry with you, the things that are really important, and passing them along to the, the people now who really matter to you. That's exactly right. You know, I look back at my mom and dad, and mom and dad became believers when I was probably five or six years old. And so there were those young, young years that I don't really remember that they were not uh, believers. And then daddy and mom both grew just in their faith until daddy ultimately was an elder at our church. But my parents were not the kind that we had a nightly devotional or a morning devotional or or those things that we hear so much about today and I do think are important. My parents were the parents that lived it out by feeding whoever needed to be fed at church. By Daddy was the last one to turn the lights off, you know, at church every Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday night. You know, so that leading by example is so, so huge today. At, at any any point in our kids lives and it's um, I think maybe even more important than saying 
or insisting on a certain time that you have a devotional time. It's modeling that behavior that Christ you see in Christ and living that out and then letting our children watch that and learn from that. And I think too, I, and I just feel, I feel called to say this too, just on the heels of what you said, you can, you know, memorize scripture and, you know, get yourself in the word and set up all these quiet times and prayer times and devotional times with your family. But if you are not trying to live it out and trying to model yourself after Jesus and showing that to your kids, it's just not going to have the same effect because we're, you know, actions do speak louder than words. Exactly. And kids are very smart. So They're smart. Very perceptive. <laughs> my, yes. my not even three-year-old is watching me like a hawk and every conversation I have and, you know, every word that comes out and every approach to a problem or a challenge, she is just there picking up on everything. Right. See, I love that. And see, uh, just you saying that every approach to a problem or a situation, that's what your kids are watching. And how are you handling that? And that's what they're learning from that's going to speak louder than just about anything. Amen. So, so, and, and usually these episodes take about a half an hour. I know we're running over on time, but I, I want to wrap up in a, you know, letting people know what you have going on. So what does it look like the next couple of months? This speaking engagement in Oklahoma over Mother's Day sounds amazing. I hope it's going to be like video caster. There's going to be a way that people even in California can watch it. But what do you have going on into the summer months? I mean, what's, what are, do you have any big projects going on? Are you guys traveling? What's going on for the summer? I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes. I could talk to you for an hour oh, or more. Oh, I know. Okay. This isn't this fun? Um, <laughs> I love it. Coming up, we've got a new book. Corey and I have written Duck, Happy, Happy, Happy Duck Commander Stories for Kids. And we're super excited about that. Well, that's out. That's out now. In the summer, I am a camp director. I still go out every summer and live in the woods for six weeks and just pour into young people and pour into our staff. I'm super excited that this is our first year that my grandson, John Luke Robertson, and his wife, Mary Kate, will be on staff. So double the fun. We always take a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. We have been forever involved in their lives. The first time I took a mission trip, I took John Luke, and he was 11. So we have watched this one particular orphanage of children grow up, and we are highly invested in them. So we'll go back to that. And then we'll have a couple more mission trips. I'm not sure where, maybe back to Africa. I don't know. And um, and then I'm working on more with my It's a Mom Thing presence. Not that I've put it on the sidelines, but because of the last five years with Duck Dynasty, I've been very invested in helping them, as most people know, and helping Sadie. And I was the onset tutor for all the kids for three of the years. And so I've been keeping my some mom thing going, but we're about to launch uh, in a li- even a bigger way. So you'll be on the lookout for that. That's so exciting. I've been watching you on Instagram too. I watched, you know, your husband's foot going through the ceiling and you you <laughs> borrowing all of Sadie's dresses from all of her um, performances and engagements. So it's been it's been cool just as somebody who's connected with you and just can find you and, and you know, see little bits and pieces of your, of your story along the way and how you how you, you know, you're so involved with the kids and so involved in every aspect of that, of the family bond. It's just, it's such an inspiration, I think, to us because we all know how important family is, but it's so great to see you guys living it out. Well, thank you. It's just the fun I get out of life. And I'm so thankful that God put me right in the neighborhood with all my kids. It's, it's too fun. So cool. So where is the best place for people to find you if they want to follow you on your journey? Where, you know, social media, is that the best place? Can you just let people know where they can go to connect with you? Right. On social media, my Instagram page is just Chris Howard, C-H-R-Y-S Howard. So that's pretty easy to find. Uh, Our Instagram for It's a Mom Thing will be up very shortly. We have not had one in the 
last several years, even though I've had it's a mom thing since 2004. Like I said, a lot of other things have taken precedence over it. In fact, in the last five years, I think I wrote seven books in five years. So that was like craziness. So now we're moving on a little more to mom thing. So be looking for that. But just Chris Howard on Instagram is probably the best way right now. And I do have a little t-shirt line called Wear Your Joy. So if you're a grandma out there, I've got some great, really cool grandma t-shirts. So you can look that up at Wear Your Joy. Awesome. And we'll get we'll get the information for Wear Your Joy up on, on our site too. And we'll, we'll push it out as the episode airs. But last thing we do to wrap up each episode at Heroes for Her, we do uh, three rapid fire questions at the end of each episode. It's called The Scoop. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so obviously our podcast is called Heroes for Her. We are all about highlighting role models that are positive and heroes for girls. So when you were a little girl, who was your hero? My hero, and I've already said it, is my mom. I'm, she's just such a strong leader and an awesome woman. And I'll say this just really quickly. When we were little, she would put on a hat and wear it to church on Sundays and put on some bright red lipstick, and we thought she was just a movie star. As we got older, we found out with six kids, she never had time to fix her hair, and the lipstick was the quickest thing she could do. <laughs> and she would, So she taught me just even in that, that, you know, just get all your kids ready, put your hat on, and head out the door. Yeah, and be done with it. <laughs> no, it's right, all good. Right. <laughs> I love it. Second question, what is a piece of advice that you've received that has impacted your life in a powerful way? Well, my I, when I was so shy growing up, I took an art class at college. The art teacher said this one statement that literally changed my life because I was so shy, I would always be so nervous to walk into a class late or walk in anywhere late where the tension would be drawn to me. And she made a statement from class one time. She said, if you think everybody's looking at you, you are putting too much priority on yourself. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think about it. I thought I was thinking that I was not putting the priority on myself because I didn't want people to look at me. But she just she made it clear that if you think that's what they're doing, then that's where your priorities are. So it really changed my thinking. Now I walk in late and I'm OK. It's a healthy reality check, too, especially yes. when you're young <laughs> and <Yes>. shy. <laughs> Okay, third question. Obviously, on the publishing side of what we do, Bible Balls is all about helping girls identify their God-given superpowers. So if you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Oh, wow. A secret superpower. That is so crazy. I would have loved to be able to sing better. And so I think God's going to give me that gift when I get to heaven. I'll be on the worship team up there. So uh, is that what you're asking? Yes, and I, I love that because as I felt so connected to you and reading like your story and everything you've done, I am the worst singer on this planet, but I am the most enthusiastic, excited singer because I just love singing. I'm terrible though. So I, I think that's secretly awesome. that's the one I want to. I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd admit it until right now. <laughs> okay, we'll be in the choir together. Yeah, up we there. can just sing together, and it'll hopefully it'll sound great, and we'll harmonize, and it'll be lovely. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Yes. So good, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. You are an amazing woman, and we're just so ha happy to it's highlight okay. your story and share more about what you're doing. So thank you so much. This is a Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at biblebells.com. Just let